chapter number 18. This is a discussion between Jesus and Pilate. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he's having a conversation, of course, with Pilate, who Pilate believes that he is innocent, and uh, he's done nothing wrong, and so he's having this conversation, and there's different questions that are asked. Are you a king? Different things that Jesus responds to, but there's an interesting question that Pilate asks, and you'll find it in John chapter 18 and verse number 38. This is the end of the conversation, and here's what Pilate says to Jesus. Verse 38 says, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. What an amazing question. In fact, I would argue that this question, what is truth, is the greatest question you could ever ask. What is truth? To know the difference between truth and a lie. And so Pilate asked Jesus this question, what is truth? The irony of the situation is that he asked this question to Jesus and then he walks away before getting an answer. He has in front of him not just somebody who knows the truth. He has the embodiment of the truth himself. Jesus didn't say, I know the truth. Jesus didn't say, I could teach you the truth. Jesus didn't say, I will show you the truth. Jesus said what? I am the truth. And he has standing in front of him the truth the embodiment of truth. And he says to Jesus, the source of all truth, what is truth? And then he walks away. This time that we're living in is a time where we get more information from more sources. We have more access to more information than we've ever had in the history of our world. We have fact checkers that check facts. We have now a disinformation board that makes sure that whatever is put out there is true. And the question is, is who's the fact checkers, who's the ones guarding information? Because I only know of one source of truth and his name is Jesus Christ, amen? And so we have to talk about really truth and I wanna talk about that today when we talk about our values because this series is called We Are Family. Now listen, you didn't get to choose your parents, you were just born into a family. You were just born into it, right? And you got to choose your, your spouse, right? You did that. So for those of you complaining, <laughs> do you remember what you said? I choose you. You said I do, all right? So before you complain, realize what you did, all right? You said I do and you did. And so you didn't get to choose though your parents that you were brought into this family, you brought into this world, you just arrived, right? But when it comes to church, we believe that this isn't just a group of people who are gathered together and we sing songs and then we listen to a message and then sometimes we connect in small groups. We really believe here at Grace Chapel that we're a family. 
We're a body of believers, of course, yes. We're a body of Christians. We're people who are gathered. We're united. But we're also brothers and sisters in Christ. We have one dad, amen? And so we're actually family. The Bible talks a lot about family, and I believe that we are family. And what unites us, is not just the fact that we're all Christians or, or, or people who believe the same way. We have the same values. And I want to talk about that for just a minute because I understand that values today are suspect. Values are questionable. People's values sometimes can be very far apart from what other people's values are. There used to be a time in America where a lot of people had very similar values. Now it seems like we are being pulled in different directions. But as Christians, we're united in values. And I want to talk to you about that, and especially here as a church family. You know, I chose my wife. I saw her, first of all, and I chose her because I felt like, well, A, she's gorgeous, and then I like talking to her, and, you know, then I got to know her a little bit, and we had fun and had conversation. But what also drew me to her is we had the same values. We had the same values. We've never argued over over some of these values. We believe the word of God and we have similar values. Now, this doesn't mean that we agree on everything. I've talked many times about the fact that we, when we go on vacation, my wife and I, we're on polar opposites when we think about vacations, all right? Because I, me, vacations are for doing. You do. From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, you are doing stuff, right? We just, in fact, I just booked a vacation. I just booked a vacation to an all-inclusive. Those people are going to pay. You understand? Like, they, they should have never, never said you can eat as much as you want. I am going to make them pay. I'm going to lose weight just so I can, anybody ever done this? Just so I can gain it all back and then some, because I'm going to get my money's worth. Y'all don't know how cheap I am. All right, so, but I booked a vacation where, where actually you, there was this like package where you could go ziplining and four-wheeling and, and go down these caves, and you could do that all every day. And I, it's me and my wife and my 11-year-old son, and I know what's going to happen. Me and my 11-year-old son, are going to go off, and we're going to leave the wife at the pool because Cynthia's idea of vacations, are, vacation is for rest. And I'm like, I didn't pay... No, 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 no. I didn't pay all this money so we could rest. You sleep at home. Vacations are for doing. Anybody, anybody on my, nobody? Anyway, bad example. If I had a third service, I'd erase it. But anyhow... So we, we don't have the same values in everything, but we have Christian values. We have the same Christian values. So I want to share with you some values that we have as a church. In fact, I want to share you, with you our five values. We're not going to get to all of them today. We're just going to do one today, and we're going to do it as quickly as possible. But these are in no particular order except for this one. This value that I'm going to share with you today is at the top of our list, and there's a reason why it's at the top of our list, because every other value that we have comes from this one, and it's the value of biblical authority. We see our world through the lens of the Bible. 
We see our world through the lens of the Bible. That means if I had glasses on, there would be nothing between my eyes and those lens. So everything that I see, all of my perspective, everything that, that I can get put into focus, I see through the lens of my glasses. Well, the same is true when it comes to the Word of God. The Word of God is our lens. Everything we know, everything we see, we see through the Word of God. So if our experiences are contrary to the Word of God, it's not our experiences that need to change. I mean, our, our, the Word of God that needs to change. It's our experiences that change. So the Bible is what we call absolute truth. Amen. Now, let me just talk to you a little bit about absolute truth, right? Absolute truth, because this is why we have values, all right? In fact, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 13. There's a parable that Jesus gives, and it's the parable of the pearl of great price. And he simply says this, there was a man, a merchant, who was seeking that pearl of great price. And when he had found it, he sold everything that he had, he sold everything that he had, right, to purchase this pearl, to buy it. And so here's how we establish values. Values are determined one way. They're determined through the transactions of our time and money. In fact, I could tell more about a person through their bank account and their calendar than I can talking to them for hours. If you want to know somebody's value system, it's not through the conversations you have, that's all great, but spend time with them, see what they spend their time with and their money on, and I'll show you their value system, right? And so when we talk about biblical authority, I want to tell you that we put this as a high value in our life, all right, because we believe that biblical authority and the Bible is the source of all truth, and the Bible says you buy the truth and don't sell it. In fact, you hold on to it. Proverbs would tell us to take this book and bind it around our neck, write it on the tablet of our heart. In other words, inscribe it. Don't let it go. Hold on to it. Refuse to give up the word of God. And as a society and as a culture, the further that we drift from God's word, the worse we are as a nation and as a culture. Every culture that drifts from the word of God finds itself steeped in immorality. Why? Because this book keeps us in the truth. And it's absolute truth. Absolute truth. And there's a difference between absolute truth and relative truth. There's a difference between absolute truth and relative truth. And what you see coming through the news and what you see on the airwaves and what you hear from the celebrities in Hollywood, many of them, is you hear something called relative truth, truth that changes. But there's a difference between absolute truth and relative truth. Let me describe absolute truth to you. Here are four things about absolute truth. Number one, truth, it is discovered and not invented. You don't create truth. You discover it. Number two, truth is transcultural. It can be conveyed across different cultures. That means what's true in America is true in Africa. What's true in Africa is true in Europe. What's true in Europe is true in Asia. To every culture, don't just say, well, that's, my, that's just my culture. No, no, no. The Bible supersedes culture. Yeah. Number three, truth is unaffected by time. 
If it was true 100 years ago, it's still true today. If it was true 1,000 years ago, it's still true today. So we don't take the word of God and say, okay, let's apply this to 2022 only. No, 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 that's not how we do it. What did it mean when God said it? Because it still means the same thing today. Amen? And so truth doesn't change over time. And then the last one is this. Beliefs cannot change a truth statement no matter how sincere one may be. Listen, we empathize with experiences and I understand that experiences can shape people's beliefs. But no matter how sincere, no matter how much somebody wants to believe something, it doesn't make it true. The word of God is the source of truth. Here's what relative truth is. In fact, it's the exact opposite of absolute truth. Here's what relative truth is. Relative truth is created and not discovered. In other words, it's made up, right? We can just invent it. This is just now new truths. We come up with new phrases. We come up with new ideologies. The second thing about relative truth is it changes based on background and culture. Someone's background could, could cause them to just say, well, that's, this is the way I was raised, and because I was raised this way, it must be true. The third thing about relative truth, it can become outdated. When one, what is one true for one generation may not be true for another. Some people think, well, that was true 50 years ago when we were living in the Stone Ages, but it's no longer true. How many of you know it's still true today? Truth doesn't change over time. And the fourth thing about relative truth is they believe a, a person's sincere beliefs and experiences can change a truth statement. And like I said, we empathize with those that have struggled. We empathize with those that have been marginalized. But that doesn't change truth. Your hurts and your, your experiences and the things and even the traumas of your life doesn't change truth. Truth is still truth. And we find truth in the word of God. There has to be a foundation. I say this all the time. There has to be a, a foundation to build our lives on that is solid, that is unchanging, that is immovable, that has stood the test of time. And that foundation is the word of God. It is, supersedes everything, every document that has ever been written. It supersedes every cultural barrier, every boundary. It is the word of God. It never changes. It is God's word that is the foundation for our life. And it is solid, solid ground. That's why we put biblical authority at the very top. We say this, if it's in the Bible, it ought to be in the church. I'm going to try that one more time. I said, if it's in the Bible, it ought to be in the church. And if it's not in the Bible, hello, then we don't want it in the church either. So this is the word of God. This is our source. Listen, and the beauty of God's word is I've been studying it all my life. And I could go a hundred more lifetimes and I could study it and study it and study it and you'll still get new revelation and fresh truth. Why? Because it is a living book. It is a living book. It is truth. It is a source of all truth. That's what the word of God is. You know, I did a series right before the election a couple years ago called Read, Pray, and Vote. 
Read, pray, and vote. It was powerful. Five families left our church immediately. It was, it was so powerful, that, that message. <laughs> That's a true story. Anyway, so, so, um, so and, I, and I entitled it that, I felt like God gave me the title because I didn't just put pray and vote, right? I didn't put listen to the news and vote. I didn't pay, I didn't say dig deep, read, study, get somebody's opinion, and then go and vote. I didn't say look at your paycheck, your, your con- economic situation, and then go vote. I didn't say look at, think about how you were raised and, and think about your culture and think about how all your friends are going to vote and think about what celebrities have said and how are celebrities voting and then go and vote. I said this, first read not from Fox News, not from CNN, not from MSNBC. Don't read from that. First thing you do is you go into the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God have to say about the moral issues that I'm going to be voting on? And whatever the Word of God says about those issues, that's how I vote. You first read. Amen? Let's find out what God has to say before we find out what anybody else has to say. Because this is the source of all truth. This is the book that never changes. It's never outdated. You say, well, pastor, that has a bunch of different authors. No, it had one author. One author, and there's one theme. Come on now. One author, his name is God. He pinned it through the Holy Spirit. And guess what the one theme is? Jesus Christ from beginning to the end. He is the word of God. He is the source of all truth. He is our foundation. Amen? And what I want to do with talking about today is I want to talk to you a little bit about rediscovering this love for the word of God. Just rediscover a love for the word of God. Just begin to say, okay, God, I've, I've let some of my time with you slip. I've, I've, I've spent some time. And listen, I love worship. I love worship. I can get on it now. I can sing when nobody's listening <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. I'm awesome by myself. And I love to worship and we love to pray and I love to pray in the spirit. And I love to pray, speak into, I love all that stuff, right? But... There has to be a place where we open up the word of God, where we go through these pages and we begin to let this truth get into our spirit. Why? Because it is the guideline. It is the source. It is my foundation. And when I look at what's going on in the world and all this information that I'm fed, I'm all fed this information and I get it. I watch the news. I catch all the the, the highlights, you know, and then I have to go, you know, break off the depression, you know what I mean? Like, and go back to the word and I go, okay, God, now what do you have to say? You have to say. And the truth is, is that you're loved. God's crazy about you. He's for you and not against you. Come on now. You need to know what his word says about your physical health. You need to know what, know what the word God, of God says about your, your family. You need to know this is truth. In spite of what I see, this is the source of all truth. So listen, I can't, that's why I said I can't understand. Some pastors get up, some preachers get up, and they just tell stories and read poems. And I go, no, no, no. If you ever, if you ever see me get up without the word of God, or you ever see me try to preach a sermon, and I don't mention, we don't turn to the scriptures, don't walk out of the church. Run as fast as you can and find a church that opens the word of God. 
Amen? Because this is truth. This is the source of truth. Hallelujah. Listen, I love good stories. I love them. And I, I love, and we love to worship, but at some point we've got to open up this book. We've got to get into the pages of this book. I want to end with this. In John chapter number eight, most of you know the scripture that says, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. We know that. People in movies quote that line. But do you know what it says right before that? Jesus is talking to Jewish people who believed in him, right? And it says this, and he's talking to these Jewish people and he said, if you abide in my word. There's that big if. Oh, come on now. That if changes everything. If you abide in my word, when you abide in his word, you'll know the truth. And here's what truth does. Truth makes you free. I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark to come. Listen, if you joined us on Facebook, we wanna tell you we appreciate you being a part of our service today. Thank you for being a part of it. Leave us a note, make sure you let us know you're there. But I wanna do this this morning. I understand this was a quick sermon and we've got a lot still left to do today, but, but nothing more important than this. Taking a moment, taking an inventory of our life, looking at our time, come on now, and our money, and going, okay, what do I value? Because if I value something more important than the word of God, come on now, if I, if I base my thinking on polls, what everybody else is doing, what's popular, what's Hollywood say, pff, come on now, then I'm just gonna be constantly changing and constantly trying to conform, right? Constantly doing all that stuff. But if I say there's a source beyond myself, outside of myself, right? Beyond my own moral code, there's something bigger than myself that I can put my feet on, solid ground. That's what I wanna go with, the word of God. Let me tell you, I've been studying it all my life. Since I was a kid, we used to do sword drills and I would have memory verses and all that stuff. I have been studying this book and studying this book and studying this book. And guess what? I get the rest of my life. <laughs> I get the rest of my life to look through these pages. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. When I get to the end of my life, if I'm fortunate enough to know when my life ends or at least see it coming to an end, and if I could pick how to go out, if I could pick how to get into heaven, if I could pick the time when I transition, if I could choose some things that I'd like to do in my final days, if I'm sitting in a hospital room, if I'm on a bed and, and I, I can't move and I just have just a day or a few hours to live, here's how I would ask to spend my last few hours. Somebody read me the scriptures. Read me the word of God. Read Psalm. Come on now, read Proverbs. Read the stories again of the Old Testament. Read in the New Testament. Somebody tell me what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. Somebody talk to me about what the Word of God says because the rest of it doesn't matter. That's truth. And it's the source of all truth.